0: and Gentile podcast. I am your host Chris Katulka and with me is none other than the Jewish sage himself, the one, the only Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? I'm coming
1: long distance from the Buckeye state.
0: From the what state? The Buckeye state. Okay, you're back home. You've returned to your roots. I've returned to my roots. Ach and bay, I can tell you. Okay, well, listen, we got a great show lined up for you. We got two special guests. You're staring at them right now. We got Paul Golden and Michelle Shear, and it's like family here. It's going to be a big family time together with the Jew and Gentile podcast. And here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Welcome in. Steve, tell everybody where you are, who you're with, and then I'll tell people who I'm with. Okay.
1: Uh, I'm in Cleveland, actually Mayfield Heights, Ohio, a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio. I'm here with my sister. Uh, We're not here under great circumstances. My mother suffered a stroke and I came to be with the family. And so my sister, Michelle Shear, is with me. And so say hello, Michelle. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) That's the fewest. that That is by far the... I've never seen her do that or heard that was,
0: one I was, word. I was
1: going to say that
0: again.
2: I was, so. expecting,
0: I, again. Well, I was expecting to just sit back and let you two talk the whole time. So Paul, and <laughs> that, that would was be your like, audience.
1: Chris, you just witnessed in 70 years what has never happened before. Hello was all she said. I was just with her in the hospital. And on the way back from the hospital, she, she, she saw, saw somebody that knows my mother here in the apartment complex. And I waited a little bit, but then I said, ah, forget it. I'll see you later. And 20 minutes later, so when she comes in, she said, yeah, I just wanted to talk to her a little bit.
0: <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Uh, time out. We introduced Michelle, and I want to get to my guest who's with me sitting and keeping your seat warm, Steve, here in the podcast room. Paul Golden. Paul, how are
3: you? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, this is great. Okay, so everyone, just a little uh, 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 family background here is that you've probably heard of the book that we've been using to go through Daniel. Uh, and it is called The Most High God by Dr. Reynolds Showers. And I'm sure for a lot of our listeners, they're familiar with the name, the scholarly name of Dr. Rennie Showers. Well, Paul is his son-in-law. Is that right? That is correct. So you are in the family. I'm in. You you uh, you have the smarts,
3: the Showers smarts or what? I do not. I like I said. I married into the family, so I am not uh, uh, on that side of the the academic side. But I do have a, a great heritage, and so thankful for uh, Dr. Reynolds Showers, both as a, a scholarly theologian, but also as my father in law. And now later, all I
1: can say is it's a step up or a seat up. No, the where I sit, Paul is where you're sitting. It's definitely a step
0: up intellectually. I can tell you that. Well, Well, thank you. That's right. Uh, Well, that's actually, he's the Jewish sage, okay? So listen, uh, I want to talk about you, Paul, in a moment, because we've never really had two guests like this before. The Jew, the Jew, the Gentile, Gentile podcast. Exactly. I want to rewind back to you and Michelle, because Michelle plays a big role in your testimony, Steve, in coming to faith in the Lord Jesus. I think that I've never had you two together like this to talk about this story. I'd love to hear it again for our audience to hear the how the family played a role in you coming to faith in the Lord Jesus
1: well it should be interesting I'm gonna let her share it and uh, see if we view it the same way yeah, go I ahead would love Michelle. this okay
2: you want my testimony <laughs> first yep okay no 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 oh. Tell
1: what happened how did how did I well you have to include your testimony yes. but don't
2: <laughs> I'm not gonna it. go on, All and right. on okay the idea so, is to
1: find out what what happened, happened and yep. how
2: you came out <laughs> I love this already. Um, I was living in California with my ex-husband and um, I was married 10 and a half months. We had a big Jewish wedding and I found Yeshua in October of 1973 amazing Um, no jewish person no christ no jewish person ever told me about well they wouldn't tell me about jesus but no jewish believer ever said anything it was all gentiles who loved the lord you went to a nursery school. i was at a nursery school they hired me at a christian the only jewish person and i was the only jew and i didn't sign the paper if anyone works in christian schools You usually have to sign a paper that you believe Jesus, the whole gospel. You believe he was born of a virgin. I didn't sign the paper.
3: But they hired you. But
2: they hired me because the director felt she needed me. She needed me, and she also felt God wanted me there. And I walked in the first day, and the kids recited John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but everlasting life. I thought they were communist. So <laughs> I said to God, I will I told a the very Jewish
1: view, I might add. Yeah.
2: And so I told the director, uh, they wanted you, you had to do like a little Bible study. So I told her, I'll do all Old Testament. She said, Michelle, whatever you want to do, God wants you here. Hmm. So when they were napping, I read. I read um, the New Testament. I saw, they were, it was children's Bible. I saw pictures of Jesus. And then I got to Luke and it's in the gospel of Luke. I think it's in almost all the gospels. I'm not sure, but I got to where Jesus transfigures with Moses and Elijah. Get out of here. Two two of our people, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) But the reason the light switch went on is this guy, when I was young, went to Hebrew school four days a week, and I went to Sunday school, and we were talking about the Messiah, and he said, uh, they taught me that the Messiah was not going to come to the Jews unless they keep every law. And I said to Steve, they said that, and Steve agreed, and then I said to him, How could every Jew in all the world keep all 160? Was it 613? Oh, 13. I thought it was 650. You're putting
1: an extra burden. You're (laughs) like the Pharisees.
2: I know. 613, how could they all keep all of it? I didn't know. So that was in my head. And I knew Moses was one of the greatest Jews who ever lived. And the fact that he transfigured and then Jesus was up with him and they were talking I knew and I remembered what the director told me. And I was 22 years old and I bowed my head in that room and said, You, God, you made me. And I see that Jesus is the Messiah. Forgive me. I'm a sinner. And please, Jesus, come and live in my heart. And, and bada bing, bada boom. And then I said to God, I'll be the only Jew in the world that believes in you. <laughs> because i didn't know and then i went and told because i remember what the person who was they gave me gospels of john i threw them away but they said if you ever do accept tell people so i told the director and she said she was so happy they're all clapping and everybody was happy so then um, I met.
1: Yeah, let's move this along, Michelle. Met...
0: We're, we're losing our seven listeners.
2: <laughs> okay. So then I met. This is a great. Uh, Michelle, Michelle, Michelle.
0: Wait, Michelle, I, like, right. you... I, I want to say something. Wait, I want to say that is amazing to me, Michelle, that you saw the, you read the transfiguration and you saw Moses, Elijah and Jesus together. And you said, "That's it." I, I believe that is amazing to me. I want you to know that that is such an amazing testimony. God's word spoke to you from the New Testament,
2: yeah. Old yep.
3: Testament, yeah.
2: And long story, I'm trying to get to the part where you come. So, <laughs> long story short, uh, I went home. I didn't. Want what to did Ron talk. say when you Ron walked in? Ron said, "I said hi," and he and he looked at my face and he said. I know what you did today. And I said, what? He said, you believe in that Jesus. And someone said that I must have had an or or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But that's what he said. And I couldn't deny it. And then he said he was going to call my parents. And I started crying. I said, you can't tell my parents. They'll flip out. And they won't talk to me. And And then he just, I cried. He said, okay, I won't tell. So Steve wanted to come out on a vacation, right? Yes, I did. And... So he was coming and the couple- Stan You never and,
1: told me about what you did. No,
2: I never did. Stan and Yvonne Ross had little get togethers, Bible studies, where we served, guess what? Locks and bagels. <laughs> so when Steve came, I said, hey, listen, I'm summing it up. Hey, listen, we're having a group and they're going to serve locks and bagels and you could eat all the locks." and all the bagels and cream cheese you want and i said there's going to be a gentile guy there who speaks yiddish so he said well oh, oh and i told him it was a did i call it a bible study or a get together i can't remember it was a
1: fellowship a said.
2: fellowship so you did say i will go because of the lox and bagel can
0: right? i ha- Yeah. Can I ask, what did Steve say when he heard that there was a Gentile who spoke Yiddish? (laughs) That's never a part of his testimony.
2: That's when I told him. I think I told you before. Did I tell you before or after?
1: I I just asked, do I have to hear this guy? And you said, not if you don't want to. Oh, okay. I didn't listen to him at all.
2: Oh, okay. He was speaking. I just went and ate. Yeah. <laughs> but you picked up all the literature.
1: I did that that I did. I picked up all the all
2: literature. the literature was there. And I think I did tell you before we went that I believe and then you told me about your roommate.
1: Yep. But you asked me to read from Isaiah 53 from our synagogue Bible.
2: Yes, because I had when I got confirmed from Orthodox Synagogue, they don't do this anymore, but they gave us all. Testaments from the Jewish Publication. The Masoretic Texts. Masoretic Mm Texts, we had the original. And I was reading that when I was living at home. I was reading Genesis and Adam and Eve. And I thought, because I was agnostic, like I was thinking, maybe this isn't all true. But I asked God, I remember asking God, is it true? So um, I'm a believer, Steve came. And then the next day, I wanted to take Steve to Disneyland, right?
3: Yep. On yep. Saturday morning.
2: Saturday yep. morning. And we went because this was on a Friday night. And he did eat a lot of lox and it, bagels. It looks
3: like we're losing Paul there. <laughs> All he, right. He's, wake up. Wake up. He's dripping off. So I said, <laughs> I got excited.
2: Okay. Here's the best part if you've ever been to Disneyland or Disney World, they have a ride called Pirates of the Caribbean. We were in line and Steve said, How do you know if you, did you use the word Mm saved? Saved. And I said, you just pray and confess you're a sinner to God and accept Jesus in your life. He said he did it last night, and there were no fireworks. <laughs> I was the fireworks. In line of Pirates of the Caribbean, I was jumping up and down and screaming. Oh, my gosh. Oh, this is wonderful. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. My Mind you, there believer. are a whole bunch
1: of people <laughs> whole <around> bunch <laughs> of people. It's killing me. It's killing me.
2: I'm jumping. I'm praising God. I was so happy.
0: That is amazing. Hey, can I say this, Michelle? Steve's story of his testimony verified. We have the law of two witnesses, and the story matches up. Great job. That was fantastic. What a blessing to hear your testimony and Steve's testimony again. And, you know, can I, can I transition to Paul here? Because, see, Paul's in the business of testimonies as well because he has his own podcast, which is Remind me again, Paul. Post Game with Paul Golden. Okay, Post Game with Paul Golden. You can go to paulgolden.com and there you can find the podcast, but you get testimonies from special people as well. Can you share a little bit about that?
3: Right. It's actually paulgolden.org. Oh, sorry, ORG. And it's a Post Game with Paul Golden, a sports and faith podcast. And um, I've been a chaplain with uh, two sports teams uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, AHL team up in Wilkes barre Scranton, Pennsylvania. And then the New York Yankees, my favorite team, has their uh, their highest affiliate, the AAA team in Scranton. So through some connections there, hearing guys' stories, I thought, man, it'd be great to share these stories, these testimonies of athletes and coaches. Uh, and uh, so anyways, during COVID, when we all had lots of time uh, on our hands, researched doing a podcast, started interviewing people. So I have about almost 30 uh, different Christian athletes and uh, coaches that we've interviewed uh, over the last few years, and just kind of—not so much sport. I mean, we, we say a little bit about their their athletic uh, achievements, but we try to transition quickly to how did you come to faith in Christ? You know, how has your faith journey grown? You know, how mm-hmm. do you handle adversity? So just kind of—and uh, it's amazing to see uh, everyone's testimony and story is different. Uh, but um, in this world, you know, in the U.S. especially, sports is king. yeah. And uh, I found it, you know, I initially thought, hey, this would be great for Christian, you know, dads like myself to listen and like an Andy Pettit talking about being, uh, you know, staying faithful to his wife while he's on the road and hearing different testimonies. And I got thinking, this is a great evangelistic tool. And so I had cards made up, you know, and I meet someone, you know, good old days we'd have a track and I think there's still a place for tracks. And if I gave a, a dentist, my dentist or the guy at the pizza shop a track, they might be nice and wait till I'm gone to throw it away. Yeah. But if I see that they're wearing like a Yankee hat or a Penguin shirt, or hey, you're a Giants fan, you know, hey, I have a podcast, you know, and check this out interviewed Andy Pettit. So I've had them listen to it. They're hearing the gospel, maybe not in a typical Sunday morning pastor sharing it from the pulpit, but they're hearing a story of life change, just like Michelle and uh, Steve have shared. And it's been a fun thing, kind of a, a side hobby of interacting with these guys. Having them share their story and uh, getting it out there, much like this podcast.
0: Now, see when I listen to Michelle and Steve's testimony, you know I get excited. Was there has there been a testimony that you've you know you had an interview with a sports uh, figure and you're going, wow, that's just amazing. Is there one that really touched you in the thirty that you've done?
3: Boy, there's some amazing ones, um, Dave. There's two, Dave Dravecki if you remember that name back in the '80s. He was a pitcher with the San Francisco Giants. He had cancer, had an incredible comeback that summer. And uh, you know made, it, made national news well, the, the comeback didn't go so well, right He lost his arm to amputation and he was a believer at the time, but through that that two-year process after having his arm amputated, he went through some deep depression and identity like his whole life had been wrapped up in even as a Christian, his identity was a, as a ball player mm. and how he dealt with you know almost losing a marriage, you know how do I deal with my depression? So just stories of hope that despite um, whether it's cancer or a divorce, having those setbacks, even athletes have to experience, showing how God brought that brought them through has been encouraging. Another guy is Clint Hurdle. Uh, Clint uh, was the manager for the Pittsburgh Pirates and uh, Colorado Rockies and uh, basically a functioning alcoholic for most of his career, but still successful as a player and a coach, but how God used uh, divorce and kind of hitting rock bottom with his addiction to come, kind of come back to the faith right? He made a profession of a, a faith as a, uh, as a high schooler, but really through, you know, a lot of times God uses the storms of life mm. to get our attention. And it's just, it's been neat to see kind of that thread through the podcast of these athletes, how God used adversity and trauma and setback uh, to really grow them in their faith. So I, I've enjoyed interviewing them kind of as a sports fan, but more so having them share their own faith story, how God used, you know, maybe bad things mm-hmm. in their life really for his good, right? Genesis 50, 20.
0: That's amazing. So if you want to listen, if you're a sports, if you love the Lord, if you love testimonies and you love sports, this is where you need to be. And you can listen to Post Game with Paul Golden by going to www.paulgolden.org. And I encourage you to do it. I got my first episode sent to me yesterday with the uh, Pettit episode. And that was fantastic and really well done. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. So I again go to paulgolden.org. Hey, hey Chris. We, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate Paul. I really appreciate
1: what you're saying. You know, I think sports, it's been a big part of my life. It was a big part of my father's life. And I remember in Jewish ministry, uh, I had uh, written a letter to a ball player by the name of Andre Thornton, who played mm-hmm. for the Cleveland Indians and uh i wrote him a letter because my father didn't believe and he was a baseball fan and so i wrote him a letter and i you know you he players get letters all the time anyway i came home i was on my way from one ministry to another and alice said i just want you to know you got a phone call and yeah 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 who yeah whatever i got to go to this bible study she said Oh, his name is Andre Thornton, but you can't call him back because he's playing the Chicago White Sox right now. <laughs> That's amazing. So, so I I I called him the next morning. He invited me down, and uh, he was he he was a player with the Indians. Uh, had a wonderful testimony. I knew about it when I went to PCB, and he lost his wife and one of his children in a car accident on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. But uh, in talking to him, he introduced me to players, and he said, "Tell me." what is it that you want me to do? You mentioned uh, your father and you're a believer. So I said, I-, I know you have a track. I would love you to write my dad a letter. Uh, he did. Mm. But before he did, he said, you know, we need to pray on this. Mm. Uh, at the time he was being discipled by Jay Vernon McGee. Mm-hmm. He was actually on the volunteer staff with Jay Vernon McGee. And so we got down, we went into his hotel room, quite a swanky place, I might add, a bonus for a ball player. Uh, and he got down on his knees. And I uh, got down on my knees with him and we prayed together. And my father did get that note. I don't think it had a huge effect, other than my dad said, You met Andre Thornton? <laughs> and I said, y- Yeah, yeah, I did. I said, and I was with him and he wanted to write this to you. And my dad was very, very impressed. So... It, it, that kind of thing, especially with Jewish people. Uh, hmm. Jewish people love sports. Just look at the last names of ESPN announcers, right. those who do play by play. They, If you look for sports athletes who are Jewish, it's going to be very thin.
3: There are pages, but there aren't many. Well, Steve, here's a question for you. I'm a yeah. Yankee fan. Who was who a famous Jewish player for the Yankees? And he was the very first designated hitter in all of baseball. Oh, Ron Bloomberg. That's absolutely correct. I know our correct. people.
1: I know our people. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's great. Like you said, the book is
0: thin, right? So... It's thin. <laughs> all and,
1: right. and amongst our people, that's why the Sandy Koufax story is such mm. a riot. Because even in an orthodox synagogue, when a atheist slash agnostic uh, Hall of Fame pitcher doesn't pitch on Yom Kippur, you bet he becomes a hero to every Jewish mm-hmm. person around. And that's what he did in 1963. Well,
0: Steve, that's why you and I had a a a, a good laugh at the fact that Texas, a- Texas A&M had their very first orthodox, I think, quarterback. Uh, and we were just <laughs> laughing thinking, it doesn't, don't don't they play football on Saturday? They play
1: Shabbat <laughs> football. What's the guy gonna do? What's he gonna
0: Expect do? a
3: miracle. <laughs> hey Steve, you'll like this since you and Michelle are in Cleveland right now. One of my recent guests was a former Cleveland Indian slugger, uh, Travis Hafner. Pronk, remember uh, Pronk? Travis Hafner,
1: I love that guy. He I is, didn't know he was a believer. He
3: has a phenomenal testimony. I encourage you to check out Travis Hafner. I will do
1: that. Travis Hafner, his his arms, forearms are
3: as big as my thighs. That's right. <laughs> hey, since we're on the Jew and Gentile podcast, one more thing. Here's, here's a connection. Nearby Cheltenham High School, right? Outside Philadelphia. Benjamin Netanyahu attended there, right? Yep. When his father yep. was at Dropsy College. Do you know which famous baseball player was in the exact same class as Prime Minister Netanyahu? Oh, this is good. I do not know that. Reginald Martinez Jackson.
1: Oh, Reggie that- Jackson. Reggie. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Reggie and BB. Oh.
3: They know each other, huh? They must know each other. They're a they high school. They graduated, I think it was 1964, Cheltenham High School. BB Netanyahu and Reggie Jackson.
0: Man, oh, man. There might have to be like, you know, podcasts do splinter podcast, break off podcast. There might have to be like a Jew and Gentile with Steve and Paul talking <laughs> sports all day. That might be fun, I you could know. do that. do that. Was, that's
1: fantastic. But let me tell you, as a Cleveland fan, there's not a whole lot of highlights.
0: We have a few, <laughs> but there aren't many. Steve, can you do me a favor as we transition to Daniel? You're in Cleveland for a reason. I don't know how much you'd like to share. You're with your sister, but I think we should be praying for sure um, uh, for your family right now. Um, uh, we love the Herzigs dearly. Um, so maybe you might want to share for a moment with an audience that I sure, know loves the sure. Herzigs.
1: My my mother suffered a stroke on Friday uh things were looking very very good afterwards the care she was getting and is getting now is very good uh the medication seemed to be working she had lost her left side it had been regained in 24 hours she was on the upswing i was planning on coming here uh today actually but it turned out that uh on Monday. uh, monday she had a second one and this one was bad enough where right now we had to make the decision today to put her on hospice. Hmm. And very difficult, a long morning this morning. But I told my mother that she has had a grace-filled life. She do, As of this point, she hasn't trusted Christ. She's heard the gospel many, many times. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, over the next few hours, as we try to communicate afresh, that it will penetrate, that the Spirit of God will do that. But she has had so many people share with her. She she would tell you and did tell me when I said, you've had a grace-filled life, 99 years, just two months shy of 100. Uh, you have uh, three kids and uh, eight grandkids and how many great grandkids? 11, 11 great grandkids. Uh, she has experienced many things, but this was tough. I was with my sisters. It's, uh, you know, when you get, when you're in, when your DNA is Jewish, uh, this applies certainly to anybody, but Jewish DNA is emotional DNA. And so we had a long morning, we had to make some hard decisions and we're trusting the Lord for him to guide and direct over the next few hours or days or whatever. And I think it's appropriate, Chris, in light of that, I'm, I, I appreciate you bringing it up. I'd like to skip if we can, You know, we don't like to do this, but I'd like to go to John uh, to uh, Daniel chapter twelve. Yes, and I'd like Paul's perspective too. He, you know, working at the seminary the way he has, and with some of the biggest scholars, his insights should be great. I can tell you that um, Daniel chapter twelve and verse two, uh, for me, was a very powerful prophecy, or or not so much prophecy, explanation of death uh, that conf- at least for me confirmed what I had been taught as a Jewish person, that there are two places to go, uh, everlasting life and shame and everlasting contempt. And oftentimes when I talk to uh, Jewish and Gentile people, those who are old enough to remember, let's make a deal. Paul, you're too young to probably remember that show, let's make a deal, but uh, let's make a deal. Monty Hall used to ask door number one, door number two, door number three. Uh, I always ask two doors. Because Jewish people say, there is no hell. The, the Old Testament doesn't, t- Jewish scriptures don't talk about hell. And I say, I understand it talks about Sheol. So let me ask you a question. There's two doors, shame and everlasting contempt. That's door number one. And door number two is everlasting life. You tell me which door you want to choose. I've never had anybody, anybody, sh- choose shame and everlasting contempt. So whether you call it hell or call it Sheol, or call it shame and everlasting contempt. We do know that Daniel, as a Jewish boy, a nice Jewish boy, a good Jewish boy, one that his parents would have been proud of, as Chris, you and I have gone through uh, what he did at the very beginning of the book as a teenager, he trusted in God's word, even in the circumstances. So anyway, I'd like you to read that passage, Chris. We'll, We'll try to circle back to the part of chapter 11 that we haven't covered. But is that
0: appropriate for today? That's great. And can I also add one thing before I, I read it? Um, you know, Steve, I am thinking about your mother and you too, Michelle, and uh, we love we love Blanche and Blanche. Uh, I, I I I personally believe Blanche is on the podcast all the time in the way that Steve talks to us and you know all the all the amazing Jewish culture and customs. I know Steve it's in him but it's in him because of Blanche and every time a Yiddish word pops up that we're going to say Steve just goes this is what my mother used to say to me all the time and so we just want to uh um you know say how much we love the Herzigs especially during this time and I never I've only met your mom I think once in person Steve but I feel like I know her very very well because of who you are and who your family is, and so we just love you all to pieces. And uh, Paul, would you mind reading Daniel chapter twelve, uh, starting in verse one, and then we'll go down to verse four.
3: At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book of in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge." You
0: know, Steve, the thing that's being talked about here, which is important, and it's really important for Christians to understand this too, because I'm going to read a few verses uh, in the New Testament as well. Is that what Daniel is looking at here, and what God is giving him a vision for? As all these things are coming to completion in Daniel 12, is resurrection? It's resurrection. That's what this is. Uh, what is what is Daniel's? What's the hope? What what are we all? What's what's this driving toward? it's resurrection. And you know, oftentimes Steve, I don't think Christians realize what their hope is. Yes, they believe we're going to heaven. We're going to heaven. But what is heaven? And what is this what is, you know, what is this concept of heaven? You know, we go to the book of Revelation for all of this uh, information, but if we go back to Daniel chapter 12, the great hope that was presented in Daniel at the very end is that some will rise that's resurrection. That means they're going to pop out of the grave uh, uh, um, and and be restored, be resurrected, uh, and they're going to see God face-to-face to eternal life, and some will rise. That means everyone resurrects and stands before God and will find what everlasting contempt or shame. And so the hope of a Christian, uh, a follower of Jesus, is that one day— we are going to resurrect and have new life not just this ethereal floating off into space and we sit on a cloud and we rock out on our our harps with a halo no we're going to be planted on the ground we will have the same i believe the same senses all of it just enhanced as to how god intended it to be in the garden from the very beginning you're right chris and in fact you know
1: in the in the text that paul read he talks about an unprecedented, awful time period uh, in Jeremiah chapter 30. We know that's the time of Jacob's trouble, and it all plays a role, uh, at, in, to finally, when Jesus returns uh, and the resurrection takes place. Uh, Chris, there are people who are buried in on the Mount of Olives in Israel, who uh, maybe some of them do believe in Jesus, I certainly hope so, but the majority of them do not, but they have this hope of resurrection. The hope of resurrection is built into the Jewish scriptures. And you know, regardless of what my mother does, and of course we're hoping that uh, and praying that even in the confines of her laying uh, and very tired, there's, her mind is still very, very active. We know that. And as I was walking through that IC, ICU unit, there's all kind young people, old people, they're all in the ICU unit. And I hope some of them in there have a hope hmm. uh, because should you or me or Paul or anybody else, we all, you know, the clock is ticking on us. Uh, I just read a story. Uh, this took place a few years ago, uh, several years ago, while there were still phone booths, Chris. I don't know if you even remember a phone booth. Uh, but uh, a gal was in, uh, in New York and she went to make a phone call into the phone booth and a lightning strike hit the eighth floor and dropped a flower pot from the top that went through the uh, phone booth and struck the head of this woman, instantly killing her. She did not get up that morning thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to die today. She was perfectly fine. She went to make a phone call. That's how We're all on the precipice. And this is a verse that challenges us. Which place do you want to go? And if you say, I want to go to everlasting life, you want to know, how do I get there? Mm. We think it's by Judaism teaches works. Michelle commented about that. That's, that's what mitzvahs do, mitzvahs. Well, how many mitzvahs could an unholy person do to become absolutely righteous before God? There's no number that's enough. Uh, no number, uh, because none of us can do it. And that's why the good news is the good news. You have to know bad news in order to know the good news, mm. and this is good news.
0: Paul, did you want to add something? You look like you were hankering.
3: When when Steve mentioned, you know, the Jewish is all about, you know, performance. That's exactly what the sports world's all about, right? I think about my chaplaincy. These guys are not going to make it to Pittsburgh or New York if they don't perform. They have to perform to keep their job in the minors. If they don't perform, they're going to go down. So it's interesting in working with athletes. The performance mentality is so ingrained in them. When you when you switch to spiritual things, and here's something like it's not what you do to get to heaven. It's what's what Christ has already done for you. It's mm. a, it's 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 revolutionary. It's the exact opposite of performance it's it's accepting uh, the free gift that you mentioned steve so it's when you say ingrained in jewish thought it's also ingrained in uh uh, athletics from
1: i really i appreciate that paul i don't i i I understand the performance aspect but that's a great bridge between judaism and athletics that i've never heard before that's really good
0: you know it's interesting when you read daniel uh chapter 12 um verse 2 and it talks about the fact that some will rise to everlasting or eternal life and some will rise to everlasting shame. The thing that's amazing is, you know, John, the apostle, when he's writing the gospel, he picks up on Daniel 12 over and over and over again because he loves to use that word eternal life. So again, when we talk about the fact, when we invite somebody into an amazing relationship with the Lord through repentance, and we say you can have everlasting life, you can have eternal life, we're actually talking about, that jewish hope which is resurrection john 3:16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have daniel chapter 12 verse 2 everlasting life uh another one down here which just shows that it's resurrection in john chapter 6 verse 40 it says for this is the will of my father that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life and i will raise him up on the last day, which is just a total link to Daniel chapter twelve, uh, do not work for food that perishes, John six twenty seven, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Fa- Father has s- set His seal. And I'll give you another one, uh, John five thirty nine. You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. As it, it, as it is there that bear witness about me. Again, this idea of eternal life, I think it's so important. Daniel grounds eternal life in the hope that one day we too, just like Jesus came bursting out of the grave, uh, we too will come bursting out of the grave. It's the hope of a Christian. Uh, but really, everybody resurrects, Steve. That's the idea of Daniel 12 as well. Everybody does resurrect. Everybody. And... uh what a day that will
1: be uh you know they're all kind of jokes i wasn't raised with them i don't know paul if you've ever heard them i can't even recall them but i've heard all kinds of jokes you know six feet under uh and they rise first so it's uh uh we have to catch up with them on the way up i don't know there's all kinds of jokes about what will happen and you know chris speaking about resurrection as a jewish doctrine most Jewish people think it's folly. Yeah. They think it's bubby meisters. It's a fairy tale. And yet it is the hallmark within Judaism. I'm talking a hallmark. I mean, uh, Orthodox and Hasidic Jews uh, believe very strongly in that. In fact, Chris, you and I have talked about false messiahs that have come, and one false messiah. I I did a whole article in Israel, My Glory, about how he is going to resurrect.
0: Mm -hmm. That's
1: right. Rabbi Schneerson. Yep. Yep. And so it's a hallmark within Judaism. Uh, It's a hallmark in the Bible. The connection has to be, and I think that's what Paul does with athletes, trying Mm -hmm. to find the connection, taking something they already know and connecting it in such a way that they might not have thought about it. That's exactly what Michelle did when she invited me to a Bible study. I I didn't listen to the speaker, but I did hear the testimony of the people who came. California is the land of the fruits and the nuts. What were these people (laughs) doing in Huntington Beach on a Friday night when they could have been doing just about anything in that great weather? The group of them who believed wanted Jewish background, and the teacher was qualified to do that. But the people who didn't believe said, we've tried everything. We've tried, you know, new age stuff and we've tried drugs and we've tried. Well, we'll give the Bible a chance. I was very impressed because they were all seeking truth. And in the age that we live in, mm. whether you're an athlete or whether you're Jewish or whatever you are, truth is hard to come by. Uh, and when you find it, it can be life changing. Mm.
3: Paul, you want to add anything else? I, I love what Steve said. I, you know, Two things when I was in Israel back in 1998, we were on that Mount of Olives looking across. And like you said, that entire hillside is covered with, with tombs of the, the Jews waiting for that. Like you said, waiting to be as close as possible for that, that return and the resurrection. And then secondly, I just think not only is resurrection an event, but it, the ultimate, the, the, the ultimate end of that is in revelation 21, which is gives such great hope for us now, when we go through trials of life, is that He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will hmm. be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things have passed away. I'll, I'll jump back up. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. And that's the the end result of uh, door number one: the resurrection hmm. to the eternal state. I love it. I love hey,
1: it. Hey Chris, before you move on, uh, you sent me a picture. I was so happy. To see a mug on a mug in whose hand? In Paul's, Whose hand, Chris? That was Paul's hand. We gave him a mug on a mug. He's got a <laughs> mug
3: on a mug. Welcome to Mug on a Mug. Hey, someone said, hey, what are you going to do on the podcast? Like, well, all I know is I'm a Gentile with a Jewish name who's got a face made for radio. So I'm a perfect <laughs> guest. You fit right in. <laughs> well,
0: uh, hey, listen, let's transition to the news here. Uh, the first, Steve, I want to highlight is is Israeli demography, declining fertility, migration, and mortality. Although the increase in Israel's population is on a downward trend in 2022, it was still high relative to other high income countries. So this isn't, you know what's going on in Israel right now is a uh, is with uh, declining fertility, uh, migration out of the land, which you have to you have to understand living in Israel, Steve, we can highlight this. Living in Israel isn't easy. It's not easy. You know, I, I, I live in the state of New Jersey. At any given moment, I can pack up, go across the bridge to Pennsylvania. I can pack up, go down to DC to visit family, or you know, go down to flock, whatever. I can drive as far and wide as I possibly want. In Israel, not only is it expensive and hard to live in, um, but you're trapped. You're nobody's no Israelis are going to Jordan. Egypt, Syria or Lebanon, you're in your country. So a lot of Israelis, just because it's hard to live in Israel, they migrate out as well. But Israel is a Western country and I think they're dealing with a lot of the issues that many Western countries are dealing with, which is uh, which is uh, for declining fertility and uh, mortality rates increasing as well. Uh, Steve, maybe you want to speak into that when you look well, at these. Yeah,
1: you know, I, this This caught my attention. You know, the Hasidim, the very religious, have eight, nine kids. Uh, those who are less religious have less. And according to the ar- article, at the end of 2023, Israel's population was 9.84 million, a growth rate of 1.86% since the end of 2022. Although this is a high rate of growth, relative to other high-income countries it is lower than the average rate in the past decade that's extremely (laughs) important chris because uh in order to maintain your culture again math was not my thing but i believe it's got to be 2.1 or 2.2 uh and uh israel a western country very uh difficult to live high incomes are required up until uh this it was near three, and now it's below two. Uh, I just found that to be interesting. And you know, in light of the war, Chris, you and I just heard Chapel this morning, and Menno Kalischer, really it his words just hit me very hard. The future of Israel are the reserves in the war mm-hmm. that's the future generation the ones that were that they need in order to propagate the next generation most of them the men and women are fighting in the Gazan war uh, against hamas and that's a interesting proposition to think about
0: uh and uh it, it it's it caught my eye, Chris. I, I like that you posted this because I think that it shows something that also creates the conversation about why some people are arguing for a two state solution. Um, And the reason why, again, I'm not saying I'm one of those proponents, but they're saying, hey, look, at some point you're you're if you don't have enough kids, it's going to cease from being a Jewish state because you're surrounded by people who are having kids all the time, you know, you're, oh. you, you, you know, the Muslim families are, they're not, th- those numbers are not declining. It's among the, probably the more educated Jewish uh, families that are having less kids. Um, and uh, we definitely know that the religious in Israel are having plenty of kids. You know, they, they, they probably cover several families to have just, you know, they'll have nine, 10 kids sometimes, but um, among the regular uh, average Israeli citizen, um, you're seeing a decline in, in having children, which, uh, of course, you know, raises the question, how do you keep a Jewish state when you don't have that many Jewish people? And so, again, it- and Chris, you know, the other
1: thing is I, I, within Christianity, it's very interesting, you know, and in the, in the Bible talks about having a quiver full. I'll, I'll tell you a story that was very disheartening to me as a young parent. I was in Chicago. I found out my uh, we found out that we were going to be blessed with twins. Uh, that put us at four children and an elder of our church said you do know how to stop that don't you and i was taken back uh, so much there are the culture affects lots of things chris you have four children i'm not sure if you've ever been confronted in that kind of way but there is this pressure economic pressure all kinds of different pressure that i understand uh, but it's, you know, what is the, what, what should Christian, Christian parents do and, uh, the number of kids and, uh, how, all those questions become, uh, interesting. And I remember, look, our last two were twins. I, God gave us two. I, I, I didn't make <laughs> yeah, that. I this, didn't order I didn't them play, up. I didn't plan for I mean? this. Yeah.
0: No, I, I, it's the culture because I know that when I'm walking around with my four kids or I tell people, they go, whoa, whoa, whoa You know, you're crazy. <laughs> <Whoa>. Yeah. <laughs> Are you crazy? You know, and it's like, yeah, we are a little crazy, but at the same time, you know, what are you going to do? So, uh, we never looked at it as a curse. That's the thing. I think most people look at it as a curse and not a blessing. I agree with you. They're a blessing. More people are interested. I love this. I think I have pretty cute kids. And whenever we walk down the streets of Philadelphia, before people would stop and say, "Oh, your family's so nice," now there's a dog that's walking behind us, and they're like, "Oh, look at that cute dog!" And you know, and the, the kids keep walking. People are more interested in dogs these days than they are kids. So
1: that's true. That's really true, Paul. You want to add anything, I think there, it,
3: Michelle? Just something funny. The there's a the article has a picture of a lady. It says a young mother with a cigarette and a baby stroller. <laughs> I don't know about in Israel, but. Smoking while pregnant or around children is discouraged, so that might that might impact <laughs> that's uh, fertility. A, that's a... <laughs> who, who knew.
0: What, what can I tell you about my people? That's uh, my people. That's hilarious. How about you, Michelle? You want to add anything there?
2: No, I'm listening. Oh,
0: I like it. I like it.
2: All right, the next. My brother said I need to listen more. Uh,
0: okay. Well, we're waiting for you. <laughs> All of this. a sudden, she's the listener. <laughs> 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 I love it. All right, here's the next one. IDF unveils a Barrie vehicle built to withstand extreme elements of war. By the way, everybody, all of these news articles are on our show notes. Steve Herzig, show notes. I've been getting texts from people saying, oh, I didn't know there were show notes. Yes, see, Chris. Shame on me. I'm telling you. Shame on me. So uh, Paul's information on where you can find his podcast, show notes books, all the resources that we have for the Jew and Gentile podcast can be found on our show notes. All you got to do is click at the bottom at the show more and bada bing, bada boom. There they are. But Steve, we Israel is building this all-terrain vehicle that is expected to help soldiers execute excavation safely along, uh, I mean, sorry, evacuation safely, along with a slew of other military activities. Steve, this truck is crazy that I'm looking at here.
1: It can go 80 miles an hour, Chris. The steering wheel is in the middle, It's it looks like a, a protected Hummer with all kinds of gizmos and electronic things, but there's two machine guns on to the right and to the left of the driver. It can go super fast, it shocks our computer generated, so it's all-terrain kind of vehicle, but Chris, It's named after a
0: very special place. Why don't you tell us? Yeah, well, uh, Kibbutz Beri was one of the kibbutzes that was attacked um, on October 7th. uh, And many of the um, many of the kibbutz um, uh, citizens, um, the members there at Beri were murdered by Hamas terrorists. And so this vehicle is specifically named in honor of Kibbutz Beri. Um, and so that's something that's very, very important. Something that as they continue to build these vehicles will be a constant reminder of what happened on October 7th and why Israel and the IDF exist. The IDF exist for this very moment to defend the Jewish people against the onslaught of anti-Semitism and terrorism. That's why they exist. And you know, Chris, it's another
1: example of the flexibility and the way a country like Israel responds to the situation they're in they 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 i wouldn't say invented this they took something that already is and adapted it and they continue they've done that with machine guns they've done it with jets they've done it with tanks uh and now they're doing it with humvees uh making them uh a better and more efficient
0: uh and safer for the soldiers. I love it. Paul, would you drive this? That's all I'm asking. Do you think I, you could do, you could you handle
3: this driving down the turnpike? I would love that. I would probably get home in a record setting pace. <laughs> that's it, right. It, it's, it, it's a neat, you had to go to the show notes. It's a, it's a impressive looking machine. Like Steve said, it looks fast and furious. So that's a neat, neat addition to the war.
0: I'm sure when you're driving home today on the Schuylkill Expressway, this thing would get you through that traffic. That's no right. problem. You know? <laughs>
3: That's great. All right,
0: Steve, uh, the last news, I love that you chose this one. It comes from Fox News. Uh, Matthew McConaughey isn't pulling the parachute on marriage when he has a disagreement with his wife, Camilla. Now, when you read that, you go, all right, what? all right, all right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You go, OK, good job, Matthew. But I'm glad that you highlighted marriage here, Steve, because he said some interesting things I think you should talk about. Well i i read this and i found it really interesting uh
1: you know today there are a lot of younger people who don't want to get married uh and are very happy not being married and they talk about all the things they're able to do go on vacations when they want and uh buy whatever they want and come in whenever they want but i i, I took a quote from the article and i wanted maybe a paul and you will. Uh, Alice is here, so I don't know if I should say anything. There, you don't have your wives around, so you might want to say it. Here, Here's the quote I lifted out. With Alice right on my left, bearing down on me with her eyes, uh, even <laughs> if you and I are in disagreement, okay? Well, Alice and I don't have a lot of disagreements, believe it or not. We do have some. But the fact that you still make my tea in the morning and serving my tea it's the difference between being married and dating. He was talking about differences they have, but yet the next day, even with the differences they have, they do things that they normally do to help each other because it's a different mentality when you're married than when you're dating. That And I could not agree with him more. I don't know if you have any comments,
0: Chris or Paul. I wanted to just add, you know, when you first said this to me when we were talking on the phone earlier today, what, what struck me is that number one, uh, he's talking about a relationship within the context of serving each other. You know, he's serving. And in this serving, you know, you love each other. You want to serve your, you should want to serve your spouse. And here's somebody who's saying, you know, yes, we have a disagreement. Maybe you have an argument, But the argument isn't the end of the relationship. It's, you know, even in the midst of the disagreement, you're supposed to still be serving each other. And I actually believe one of the things that uh, young—the generation that's not wanting to get married, what they're missing out on is actually a life-changing experience to make you—I think it's the way God sanctifies us. It makes us more in the image of God, because now I not only have to think about my wife, but I also have to think about my kids— which means, by the end of the day, the last thing I thought about was myself, um, and so that is a life-changing experience. And if you notice the direction that the generations are going today, why not wanting to go married, or by not wanting to get married, their reasons are all self in me, me-focused. I want to travel. I want more money. I want this. I want that. And what that ends up doing is it removes the culture of how God is going to use a marriage to change me or my kids to change me um, to make him, make me more like him, uh, the Lord Jesus. And so I, I, I love this because I, I, I my mind immediately went to, you know what? It's just in marriage, we serve one another, whether we are
3: wanting to do it or not. I've heard the great phrase, go into marriage with your eyes wide open. And once married, keep your eyes half shut. Like you gotta be willing to look past, right? look past things. When I got married, I thought I'm pretty good. Right. I had no idea how selfish I was until another person comes in the picture. I got to serve her. And it was, it was a privilege to marry Marbeth Showers. You know, here's a beautiful woman, godly woman. And my friends always read me. Oh yeah. You're a real friend of Israel, aren't you? I'm like, I'm a friend of Israel now, <laughs> but after 24 plus years of marriage, like, and having kids, like, man, I am really selfish. Like marriage is about, you know, serving your spouse, you know, serving your children and like it's mean i'm taking the back seat to serve others and yeah there's going to be friction and tension but you're in it i call it in it to win it you're in for the long haul right yeah you know divorce was never an option maybe murder right the joke (laughs) about my wife might want (laughs) to strangle me sometimes but like hey we're not going to give up when things get tough we're going to work through it and i think this like chris said this generation it's such a disposable well i don't like something you offended me at some point we got to say listen there is going to be tension. There's going to be friction. You got to work through it. Mm-hmm. You're not the you're not oppressed. You're not the victim. That's There's just, no
0: safe room in marriage. You know,
3: it's this is this is marriage. You yep. got to put on your big boy pants and work through it as grown adults. Not perfect, right? No perfect marriage, but you got to be working towards it. So I, I like the fact of his his example of Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, Steve, that was so, a good one. Yeah, that was a good one, and I want to put a, a
1: an asterisk by it too because the church has been guilty at the same time once something like that happens and it, it happens divorce is a reality in the church and outside of the church uh we have to be able to respond to them the way christ would respond 100%. Uh, not necessarily agreeing with the divorce but certainly embracing people and loving them in christ so it's a it's a stress there's stress in marriage then there's stress if a if a divorce happens there's a, so you got to be like the Humvee, and ba- the Barry Humvee, flexible, always ready to to move when
0: you need to move. I love it. That's great. Hey, can I ask you a question? We're going to move to the Yiddish word of the day as we wrap up. But, Steve, I'm wondering if Michelle could do the Yiddish word of the day. Is that possible? <laughs> I think she can. Do you know the Yiddish said, um, word of um, day? wait a minute.
2: Oh, wait, 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 oh, gonna wait, wait. He's going to play some music. All right, everybody,
0: it's sorry. Yiddish word of the day, and Michelle Shear's is going to do it, Steve's sister. Here we go. Yiddish word of the day, Yiddish word of the day. Go ahead, Michelle.
2: Oh, oh,
0: Achenveh. Oh, Steve, what in the world is oh, Achenveh? What a pity for you. <laughs>
1: Is that ach the, if your mother ever said ach you're in trouble.
0: Is that the Mr. T I pitied a fool? Is that the uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe clo- maybe close to that? Oh, that's know. good. Akenve. I say there, all, all right. Akenve. Alright, You gotta it's do a, the ha! Ah! Ah! and vei. Alright, everyone, yep. Achinve, I What pi- what is it, pity you? Yep, all I right. pity, you. pity you well everybody thanks so much for being a part of the Jew and Gentile podcast thank you to our special guest Michelle Shear, all the way out in Cleveland and to Paul Golden I'm so glad that you guys could be with us be sure to check out our show notes and go to Paul's website paulgolden.org to listen to his uh, podcast which is absolutely fantastic uh, also be sure to go to foiequip.org our sponsors and there you can sign up for our next class on Ezekiel chapter 37 Ty Perry will be talking about the resurrection of the dry bones of Israel. It's going to be a fantastic time. Hey everybody, thanks so much for being with us and we'll see you next week.